and welcome back to another episode of Turbans Ain't Hijab. Welcome, welcome, you wonderful people. Oh no, we're doing all that now. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I hope all the honor is well. I hope all the honor is good. Okay, and we're just back again mm-hmm. with another episode. Look at us doing kind of consistency we're better we're, we're doing we're doing better than we did before no yes honey i like like mm-hmm. we're doing better coming through with the content exactly content content consistency consistency yes. so it will not stop us honey right so we see we have a few new followers hey y'all how you doing thank welcome. you welcome thank you for coming here like we just hit 1k um followers on instagram yes yes we did what like a give about us uh, watch us watch us yes we're doing bits and little bobs now yeah so for you guys who are new to the scene and some 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 people who've been here from the get-go and you you don't want to ask me hey mm. what does turbin saying tijab actually mean like mm-hmm, what is that mm-hmm, about like mm-hmm, and i find mm-hmm. that some of you lot you know what it means or some of you don't know what it means so and some figured, people be out here feeling like they're being excluded because they've been wearing no hijab but honey this is for everybody this, is, this, is, this is a, a very friendly podcast okay yes. this, is, this is for everybody everybody but the haram police human <laughs> are not welcome here on a can leave because you are Goodbye, not welcome in this get out of here get out Goodbye, of here my friend. Ill, ill okay so i have you i have you know that yes. turbans ain't hijab turbans is hijab baby so Darling. when we thought of this name right we wanted a mm-hmm. name that was gonna cover our experiences as black muslim women now right and people want to gaslight you and say that oh if you don't express your modesty in this way then you are less muslim or you are a less worthy muslim than Mm -hmm. the sister who wants to wrap her head like this or the sister who don't want to wrap her head at all blah blah so understanding that as black women there are cultural aspects of our head coverings and the way that we want to observe our modesty and there is nothing to say that i cannot wear a bomb turban and it not be hijab and it not be um a lie my modesty and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff so that is really does that make sense does that explain Absolutely, because everyone, um, especially Muslims that live in the West, we're taking our cues from Bedouin Arabs. And honey, <laughs> ain't no Bedouins where I come from. We're nomads. More times we weren't even wearing hijab. We used to have like the top shoulder showing. You know, there's major and minor aura, minor aura on display. 90% of the time for us Somalis. But in this day and age, we are trying to wrap a few things up. So turbans are very, very specific to African culture. We have different styles of head wraps in West Africa, North Africa. Africa, uh, East and the Africa Caribbean, as and well. the Caribbean too. Don't and forget the about Caribbean. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Don't forget about us. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's just that's our the way that we express uh, modesty, and modesty uh, varies from culture to culture. It's not something that you can really, um, you know, lock into look like one specific thing. It looks different all over the Muslim world, and for us, we felt like as Black Muslims, the way that we express our modesty should not be. Um, scrutinized exactly. you know like exactly. every single day you see one arab man looking talking about oh your sister your neck your neck your neck this neck was not made for you sir face your front okay uh, face your front my neck. yeah my neck and my back is for my people so moving <laughs> forward <laughs> screaming you know if my forefathers like this long east african neck it's got nothing to do with you sir i know you hating okay i know your short necks are not it right now which is why you have to cover them up but us gazelle giraffe looking type sisters we like to display our long necks so the same neck i'm talking talking out from now now so having said that today we'd like to talk about um islam and islam in africa in particular what does islam in the continent look like because we as 
as you know, there is a very rich history with Africa and Islam with the first migrants, the first Sahaba before um, the Prophet ﷺ passed away, um, making Hijra to Abyssinia and, you know, coaching with the East uh, African man there, you know, mm -hmm. with um, King Najahi and uh, all of that history. So today we have none other than the wonderful, the famous, the Insta... I don't even know how to introduce him, you know. He's got so many titles now, you know. Come and see scholar. Come and, come and see, see learned person. Mm. Come and see woke. Come, mm. and, just come and see Mustafa Briggs. Come and see. Okay? Pew, pew, pew. Baba Briggs. Baba Briggs. Baba Briggs. You lot are killing me, man. Please introduce yourself for those who don't know who you are and what you do, inshallah. Okay, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So my name is um, Mustafa Briggs. I am a, I don't even like using the term student of knowledge because I feel like it's a very loaded term, especially yeah. in this day and age. I'm somebody that likes to study, yes. <laughs> likes to read. Yeah. Um, I studied Arabic and international relations um, at University of Westminster uh -huh. and I graduated with a bachelor's from there. And then I went on to do a master's in translation at SOAS. Um, and then I moved to Egypt where I'm currently studying Islamic studies at Al-Azhar. Um, and in between, I'm sorry, sir, but all of that looks like you are a local student of knowledge because <laughs> you know, from time no, niggas is moving to, to Cairo. Do you know what it is? When you call yourself a student of knowledge, I feel like because of the culture that we've created, right. especially online in right. the Muslim community, right. people have a certain image of you. And mm. when you don't start, when you don't fulfill that image, then they're like, oh, how can you be a student of knowledge? And you're like this, and you're like, and I don't like putting expectations on myself. Like, right, I'd rather right, be right. the underdog that proves right. himself than be somebody that you're trying to hold on to this pedestal put me on a pedestal and right, i right, don't right. live up to your expectations kind of thing but yeah i'm a student of knowledge alhamdulillah yeah. but yeah don't but when you come on my instagram <laughs> and you see me on the boat in switzerland <laughs> or you see me in my hoodie in edgeware don't mm. come and don't come and say anything you know the ones there i'm but not in a, i'm not in a polyester tub all the time <laughs> but this looks like it, you know but it's interesting that you say that because when you look at islamic history and one of the you know what the shayukh of the past how they showed up in the world and presented themselves especially when dealing with such rich knowledge or dealing with allah or dealing with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, mm. like they show up and show out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all yeah, of this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. dusty foot student of knowledge, broke and black even, philosopher is not really us. Even us, like in West Africa, because aside from my f formal studies, I've done a lot of informal study in right. Senegal, in Mauritania for the past, I don't know, 10 years. Right. Do you know what I mean? Every year I'm traveling to Senegal, traveling to Mauritania, spending yeah. time with the Shuyukh there and in Morocco and all these places. And like our shakes are ballers, man. Our shakes Shock are living ballers. their best life. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? When you go to Senegal, when you go to Mauritania, you know. They're not they're not they're not holding back. The Zuhud is uh, in the heart, it's wallahi. not in the hand, you know? Wallahi, wallahi. So alhamdulillah. But yeah, yeah, so essentially that's what it is. So people now know me because when I was doing my masters, um I started this lecture series called Beyond Bilal, Black History and Islam. And how it started was there was a radio presenter. She's like a radio TV. She's a social media presenter now. Her right. name's Najwa Noor. Uh -huh. She's an Eritrean sister. Mm -hmm. And she did a BBC interview. And um, at the end of the interview, they asked her, oh, so you're black though. Mm -hmm. Can you be black and Muslim? And so that started like a whole Twitter yeah. debate and everyone started talking about it. And then a lot of media series was created. Like there was a YouTube um series about being black and muslim mm -hmm. you know um muhammad and pearls of islam did right. that series and then there was another one that was commissioned by 
the, the same people that bring Saheb Web, I forgot what they're called, but they, so there was a lot of stuff, there was a lot of dialogue around it. So a few ISOCs were having um, conversations about this topic and um, they invited Kyle to talk on the topic at King's College, if I believe. And then Kyle was like, you should bring Mustafa to talk on this topic because my dissertation was African literature and literacy in West, uh, Arabic literature and literacy in West Africa. So that's what my study was based on. And I wanted to kind of expose that part of the world and the Islamic scholarship in West Africa to the rest of the world. Um, and that was even an interesting experience at university. But anyway, <coughs> so I came as part of this presentation, uh, as part of this uh, panel session, I gave a presentation, which was like the mother of Beyond Bilal. And um, from the people in the crowd, someone from Oxford University invited me to give the same presentation there. So I did that with, it was me, Kyle, Aisha Morgan. Um, we did that. And then I went to UCL and I did Islam in West Africa. And I went to like, I think it was Liverpool, not Liverpool, Leeds University. And I did one there. And I just started getting like all these bookings, ISOCs wanting to book me to talk about this, talk about that. And then um, one of my friends that was uh, at my house at the time was like, are you getting paid for this? I was mm. like, I'm not. She's like, yes, you need to start charging. So I was like, okay, that's an interesting idea. So I had a friend that's a, a graphic designer, Islam Yassin. So I said to him, look, I've got this um, lecture. Um, if you can make a poster for me, I'll just put the poster out, see Black History Month is right. coming, see who wants to book me and we'll go from there kind of thing. This is 2018. So he created the poster. I put it on my socials. Yeah. I had 30 different ISOCs email me and was like, yo, we want you to bring this talk to the uni. I just wanted, I just thought it was going to be like one or two right, right, right. or three, five at right, most. Right. 30 messaged me. And after I told them my price, there was like yes. only 20 of them confirmed. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, like I did a 20 university tour in the UK. That was October 2018. And then somebody saw all of the hype on social media from Nigeria. So then they booked me to go to Nigeria and do it. And I took Mamadi with me. Yes. And, you know, we did like a co-presentation. Because right. I'm somebody like my people are my people in it right. so if i feel like my people have something to contribute positive as well i'll like i'll put you on with me like there's enough there was uh, a <laughs> there was one shake in senegal he used to say he said the same one sun that's in the sky shines on all of us uh-huh. said you know there's no there's no like you just because one person has their risk if you put another person on they won't take anything away from you Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. A lot of people feel like they can't really. They want to be the only one in the limelight. Yeah, they yeah, feel yeah. like if there's two of them, there won't be enough to go around. Mm-hmm. But then that's thinking from a space of scarcity as opposed mm-hmm. to abundance. Yeah, because, exactly. Especially being a Muslim, it's like people really be out here being snaky with you sometimes. It's yeah. like they want to be the only one popping. Yeah, 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 definitely. So I did the Nigeria one, and then after Nigeria, um, February is Black History Month in America. Hey. So 2019. <laughs> Transatlantic baby. Yeah, everybody. I got booked in America, f- in Ohio, one masjid in Ohio. I know we were talking about Ohio <laughs> earlier. My first ever event. Well, actually, it wasn't my first because I got booked in Ohio. Yeah. But I landed in New York. Okay. When I landed in New York, ICNYU, yeah. you know, Imam Saheb yes. Webb and yes. Imam Khalid Latif, uh-huh. their, their community reached out to me. I was like, if you're in New York, come free. So the first ever talk I did was in New York. Love it. Wow. And then I went.
went to Ohio mm-hmm. and then I just kept on. I only went to America with the intention of doing three or four events. Mm-hmm. By the end of March, mm-hmm. I stayed for six weeks and I ended wow. up doing like 12 events across Love America. It. Love it. And then September, I got invited to Harvard University, mm-hmm. went with the book with the whole crew. Yes. This February again, I was back in America mm-hmm. and I did the tour again. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Alhamdulillah, it's just been growing and growing we love to from see there. It. We yeah, love Alhamdulillah. To see it. So, like, Ivy League, there's eight Ivy League universities in America. Mm. I've, I've spoken at five of them. <laughs> so I did, <laughs> I did Harvard, I uh-huh. did Yale, mm-hmm. I did Penn, mm-hmm. I did Columbia, mm-hmm. and I did Brown. So it's just, um, yeah, a few others. Like, so people really want this information. They They're really super do. intrigued people Absolutely. Are super, about yeah, this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not, and I would say 80% of the people that have booked me have been non-black. Mm. It's not been black people that's been booking me like that. What I also did Jamaica is? as well. We did it in Jamaica as well. Um, I think it's because people want to know. Mm. People want to know information and they want to learn and they want to understand. We live in an age where we live in the information age. We live in the age of political correctness. Right. We live in an age of being woke. We live right. in an age where people... I don't want to say people feel pressured, but people feel pressured. Like, right. you saw the BLM right. thing. Right. If you didn't post Black Lives Matter, right. everyone was coming for you. <laughs> so people don't want that smoke. So right. they're like, listen, right. a lot of them, I'm not going to say a lot of them are disingenuous. Like, mm-hmm. most of the people, I would say, genuinely want to learn. They want to know. They want right. to broaden their horizons. Mm-hmm. And we have a new generation of people who don't have the same cultural and xenophobic bias as their grandparents or their parents they grow up in multicultural societies in america or in the uk or in europe they're influenced by black culture they're influenced by and so they want to understand and learn and we live in a completely different age like i remember um just when i came back to london a couple weeks ago i have one of my close friends he's pakistani but his wife is russian and his wife lived in russia with her kids um, just until about recently they just moved to London now to be with, with my friend so his kids are they speak Russian as their first language they're like little Russian babies and then he saw just to show you the cultural difference yeah he came to me and he was like you know when kids get excited and they and they want to show you their toys so he's I don't know how many black people he's seen in real life <laughs> But he wasn't intimidated. He wasn't scared. He just loved me because he knows right. that his parents got love for right. me. So he's like, Uncle Mustafa, right. didn't they look at my toys? Right. So he brings me the Batman toy. Mm. He brings me the Spider-Man toy. Mm. Then he says, this is my favorite. It's the Black Panther toy. Um. <laughs> and he says Black Panther in Russian or whatever. Wow. And he's telling me about that. And he's telling me the story of it mm. and everything. And I'm just like, Ra, like, how many previous generations did we see where a little white kid's favorite character is a black character Mm. because we weren't represented in the media like that before then there was one john boyega film that came on tv and um it wasn't star wars it was another one like one of them action and there's cars shape-shifting into robots or something (laughs) something like that one of them future things no not transformers but Mm. Something, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and John Boyega is the main character, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, look, he looks like you. And he's into the film. Oh, wow. Mm. He's not seeing black people as something negative. Yeah, exactly. He's not seeing black people as something intimidating. Mm. He's seeing black people being painted in a positive light. And he doesn't see the differences as something that is negative. negative. So the same way he looks at himself and he's like, I got dark hair. My sister has blonde hair. That's how he looks at Uncle Mustafa. He's like, oh, Uncle Mustafa's black. I'm white. But it's not uh, that yeah. negative connotation. 
isn't there. Mm. That's the new generation that we live in. Like, maybe, for example, people in previous generations are complaining about racism from Asians, Arabs. And I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. Mm. But, like, growing up in London, Mm. I don't experience the same amount of bias Mm. as people from your father-in-law's generation did right, or right. in within the muslim community the struggles right. that they had to go through in the 80s and 90s right. in these 2000s it's not the same, it's not the same yeah. there's an appreciation for africa mm-hmm. there's an appreciation for our history our knowledge our culture mm-hmm. and it's not coming from um a, 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 a like a, a culture of fetishization and mm-hmm. exoticization right. it's genuine appreciation yeah. and curiosity you know and people want to include africa in the narrative now and i feel like it came not to say that it comes late it's coming late because everything comes in its time i'm just happy that it's in my time so i can be the name that's attached to it because it could have been the generation before us so it could have been the generation after right right, you know so alhamdulillah like um habib akande shout out to habib akande um, you know Habib yes. Akande. Now he's known as the sexologist. You know, <laughs> but when I was growing up, right. he was the guy that was doing Black History in Islam. Yeah. And was then his, he, was his first book called the Illuminating yeah, the Darkness? Yeah. Mm. And then he transitioned over yeah. to the sexology so thing. Kunyaza yeah, Kunyaza, yeah, yeah. So now he's the Kunyaza man, isn't it? But when I was in uni <laughs> and secondary school, he yeah. was the Black History in Islam guy. But he was giving an interview the other day, and he was saying that you know I feel like when I was doing it people weren't ready for it right. so it didn't it didn't blow up the way it was supposed to it's like but now mustafa briggs is continuing yeah. and doing a good job so he shouted me out so i'll shout him out here on this love podcast it. too to so it's, yeah it's the right time social media and the amazing thing as well social media helps a lot like i've never i've spoken at over 50 universities across the world i've never once approached a university to book me like I'm people, are, your people, reputation precedes <laughs> you, bro. People are always like, oh, so how do you like? Who's your manager? How do you get into all that? I was like, bro, I don't have a manager. <laughs> I don't have a secretary. I don't <laughs> have an come, assistant. I don't even know if I want one. Cause I'm not ready to split that check. <laughs> I'm not ready, but <laughs> but as in, I just get approached all the time. Like people will email me, oh, we'd love you to do da 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 da. I'm like, okay, cool, book me. Like I just I booked um an event in australia um the other day two days ago um yeah like it's just it's just like that alhamdulillah people really really want to know the information and we're here alhamdulillah providing it so alhamdulillah so for those who haven't seen some of your talks i know you can't tell us everything because you have to you know come and check him in life right (laughs) but just give us a little bit of information on you know islam in africa the history the background the influence the okay so i would say to talk about islam in africa you're talking about islam within itself we can talk about before the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and, and and during the Prophet's time. But we'll start with even before the Prophet Sallallahu because, and this is something that one of my teachers, Rudolf Ware, uh, shout out Rudolf Ware, mm-hmm. Professor Rudolf Ware, pointed out to me when I did an event with him in University of California, Santa Barbara. Um, it was called Beyond Bilal and the African Quran. And he said, if you look at the Quran itself, he said, most of the stories in the Quran take place in black Africa. North Africa, ancient Egypt, the people look like Somalis. They look like 
Eritreans, they look like Ethiopians. The Egyptians that are present in northern Egypt today are a mixture of Greek, Roman, Phoenician, Hysok, uh, Turkish, Arab, etc. that came in. But the original inhabitants of ancient Egypt, if we look at the genetics and, you know, the scientific evidence, they were East African, black East African people, just like the East African people you see in the south of Egypt. The Sudanese looking people and the Asian, and you know they the land of the gods according to the ancient Egyptians was Puntland which is yeah. Somalia so they used to travel to Somalia and trade and so that's something even we need to look into yeah 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 that's something because the ancient Egyptians which was the beacon of society of civilization at that time yeah. the land that they cherished the most was Somalia so that's even like a whole other history but so Professor Rudolph were pointing out that if you look at the Quran most of the stories take place in Africa. And the stories that... like 50%, right? 60 or 70%. And the ones that don't take place in Africa have an African character in them. See that there? Mashallah. So if we look at Ibrahim, he was from Babylon, Ur. He was from Ur, which is in Iraq. But he went into Egypt. He married an Egyptian woman. She became the mother of Mecca. She was the founderess of the city of Mecca. She was the one whose son built the Kaaba up and she was the one who, you know, we faced her city five times a day to pray. Mecca was her city. It didn't exist before her. She settled there. She found a well. She started trading the water with Bani Jurhum. Her son married a woman from Bani Jurhum, learned Arabic, and then that's how Mecca came to be. And when every year when we travel on Hajj or Umrah and we run through Safa and Marwa, we are celebrating the history of a black African woman as an essential part of our deen. There's no bigger testament to the history of Islam in Africa <laughs> than that. And the integrality and the integrality of, 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 of African history and Islam. That's number one. Huh? After Ibrahim, he has his son Ismail, whose mother's African. That's the line of the Prophet ﷺ. On his other side now, we see his son Ishaq. Ishaq had his cho- his son Yaqub. Yaqub has his twelve sons. They go into Egypt. Yusuf gets sold into slavery, goes into Egypt, and then his brothers and his parents come to join him in Egypt, and they stay there for four hundred years as God's chosen people until Moses until they are enslaved, and then Moses frees them. Then they return to the land of their ancestors, uh, Sham, Philistine, etc. And then we see like the kings of Israel, like Suleiman, Dawood. Suleiman has a relationship with Bilqis, the queen of Sheba, who's an African woman again. So we see the first African woman in Hajar, who's the mother of Mecca. Then we see the second African woman now coming as an independent queen, ruling her own nation. Sheba is what we consider modern day Yemen, if I'm not mistaken. But Yemen was a colony of Ethiopia. That's why the Arabs, and that's even another context to, you know, when you see those ahadith of like people calling Bilal al-Habashi yeah. and, the, and the thing to Habashi. It wasn't that they didn't like Habashis because they were racist and they thought black people were beneath them. Right. It was because the Habashis, the Ethiopians, colonized Arabia right, right. and were capturing Arabs, selling them into <laughs> slavery, ruling their country. Like how we hate colonizers right, today. Right. That's how the Arabs hated the Habashis because mm. Habashis had colonized them. Mm. 
Abraha tried to destroy right. the Kaaba. Do you know what I mean? Yes, it, yes, was yes. Mm. it was that resentment. It was that resentment that was that was the right. reason, you know, behind it. It had nothing to do with like skin tone or anything like this. No, nah, not per se, because a lot of the Arabs themselves had similar skin tones or darker skin tones than. But that's another. I'll come to that right. in the in the next couple in the next couple. Um, I say next couple slides. I mean, still give presentation, <laughs> but in the ne- in the rest right, of the right, podcast. Right. So we see like major characters like queen of sheba mm. ethiopian and if we look at i went to ethiopia um the royal family of ethiopia traced their lineage through her because they say she had a son for suleiman and when she returned to ethiopia menelik the first and he's the ancestor of the solomonic dynasty that have ruled ethiopia until Haile selassie who was the last person of that dynasty and Haile Selassie is interesting because his, his mother come from, came from a Muslim family. So his mother was a Sharifa. So she was descended from the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Then his father was descended from King Solomon and King David and all of that. So that's one side of the history. And then we see up to Sayyidina Isa. In his childhood, when they were escaping persecution from the Romans, they ended up in Egypt. And he lived in Egypt up until the age of 30, whatever, when he came back as a prophet. Um, for me that grew up Christian went to Bible study yeah. we learned that Jesus Mary they went into Egypt right. he came back when he was 12 years old mm-hmm. he uh, he spoke to the Pharisees at the temple then he returned then he came back when God sent him right. to the people of Israel mm-hmm. but he inherited that knowledge that wisdom mm-hmm. from Africa right. uh, so and then we see the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu when we come to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu time not only does he come from the lineage of an African woman, but mm-hmm. when his followers are being persecuted in the fifth year of his mission, mm-hmm. before Medina Munawara exists, before Islam is accepted in Mecca, before Islam becomes an Arab religion and the Arabs are practicing it, he sends a group of 12 people. It wasn't a large group, but his most significant followers, mm-hmm. his cousin, Jafar bin Abi Talib, mm-hmm. his uh, daughter, Ruqayya, her husband, Usman ibn Affan, etc., and he sends them to Ethiopia because he says there's a king there who's just and nobody's wronged in his land. So the first home of Islam, as we know it today, was in Africa. It wasn't in Mecca or Medina because people were practicing Islam in Mecca being killed for it. Medina didn't exist. The only place they could pray Salah, build a masjid, establish their community was in Africa. So we see the 12 people go first and then 40 other people join them. And then when the Prophet says the doors are open for him to go to Medina Munawara, he returns. But even him, in his childhood, his, he's raised by, again, another East African woman. Because his mother's servant, uh, Baraka, when his mother passes away on the journey returning from Yathrib to Mecca, She's the one that digs the grave of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu his mother. She's the one that hears his last, her last words, which are, look after Muhammad. She's the one that takes Muhammad back to his family in Mecca and stays with him and raises him from the age of six years old until he gets married. And he calls her Ummi. Ummi, yeah. And he tells people, here, Ummi, ba'da Ummi. She is my mother after my mother. And that's an East African woman again. That's a black woman again. So we see the mother of Mecca as a black woman. We see the wife of Suleiman as a black woman. We see the mother of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu So where we are integral to the story. And then the early Muslim community um, that's established in Medina Munawara, many people come back 
from Ethiopia, from Habash, and settle in Medina with the Prophet So in Beyond Bilal, I talk about that, the fact that there are hundreds of Sahaba that have joined this new community as members of the community, not just Bilal. That's why it's called Beyond Bilal, because yeah. there's way more. Bilal's mother even was yeah. part of it. And, you know, all of these things. So I discuss all of that, and then I talk about how Islam then returns back to Africa, spreads through Africa, and um, up until the present day. So yeah, that's just like a brief kind of. Yeah. But you know, the book is coming out soon. Inshallah. Can't wait for the book. <laughs> <answer. laughs> Can't wait. Ah. That's one of my yes. pre-order. I'm gonna be on pre-order this, honey. Honest, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait for that one, boy. Inshallah. Mm, so honestly. yeah, that's so. I'm just just bringing that side of history to light. Um, exposing it to the people making people think about it because a lot of it is hidden in plain sight right. and then a lot of it's just straight hidden right <laughs> people don't you know Do you shit. Delve into this? <laughs> um, the more hidden stuff um i just feel why is it hidden or the fact that or the things that are the actually hidden. Are hidden so okay so for example even the whole black issue right if we look at allah talking about the creation of adam in the quran he says all the tafasir, the major tafasir, Tabari, Baydawi, Bagawi, Jalaluddin Siyuti, like the major tafsir, they all talk about this. They say Hama and Masnoon is mud that is either black or has fermented and changed color and become black. And Allah created, took this mud let it sit until it became black and then created adam from it that's why he's called adam because adam means black mm-hmm. adam is darker than asmar like right. you know us in the arab world they'll be like oh, we, you wear asmar, wear asmar. Mm-hmm. if you're darker than asmar, asmar. then yeah. you're adam mm-hmm. and that same word is used to describe musa mm. by the prophet sallam, himself he, many hadith he says i saw musa he was adam alone that same word is used to describe Isa. Sahih Bukhari, Ibn Abbas has a hadith where he narrates the Prophet Sallallahu said, Wallahi, I didn't, the Prophet didn't say Isa was Ahmar, light-skinned. But he said, rather, he saw Rajalun Adam. He saw a dark-skinned man circulating the Kaaba. When he asked who he was, he was told that was Isa ibn Maryam. That's the same word used to describe Ali ibn Abi Talib. The cousin of the Prophet and the son-in-law of the Prophet Shadid al Adam, Shadid al Udma. Adam Shadid al Udma. So even blackness amongst original Arabs, mm. they were a dark-skinned people, and they only became light when they started mixing with Persians and Phoenicians and all these but other. But that's the thing is, a lot of people just take the uh, the, the the people that have been Arabized because of the expansion of the islamic empire exactly as being real arabs which is why we see um pictures of ali bin abu Talib being translucent yeah, yeah. not even light-skinned <laughs> translucent honey yeah. with green eyes with, yeah uh, which is completely not what, what we're seeing exactly what's written in, in the hadith and even if you look at some of the members of the prophet sasan's family like um his descendants so there's a uh, one of his descendants called abdullah al-kamil and he was called Abdullah al-Kamil, meaning Abdullah the Complete, because he had both lineages. His father was Hassan, the son of Hassan ibn Abi Talib, and his mother was Fatima Sughra, the daughter of Hussein. And they said she's the, do- she's the granddaughter of Fatima that looks the most like Fatima. Abdullah al-Kamil had three sons, 
that were all famous. Muhammad Nafsi Zakia, who led a revolution against the Abbasids, I believed, and he was killed. And then his brother Ibrahim, they were both killed. And then the third brother Idris ran away to Morocco and he became Mola Idris, the first king of Morocco. Muhammad Nafsi Zakia, his nickname was Charcoal because he was so dark that they used to call him Charcoal. <laughs> And that's the thing is, like, even with, you know, like, you're Nigerian, I'm Somali, like, we have all the shades. Yeah, You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, for, for even that society to be like, no, you're actually blacker than the rest of us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, something that goes right over people's heads People's sometimes. heads, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, they had all the shades. So it's not like when we imagine the Prophet Sassam's time and we see everyone as, like, how they look in the message. Right. Do you know what I mean? That's not how they looked that in real life. That is not the message, honey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's not how they looked in real life. Right, right. Because uh, people, if you say, oh, Adam was black, oh, that's really far away. We don't care about that. And then you say Isa was black. Oh, that's not even our prophet. We don't really care about that. Yeah. But when you start to talk about the prophet's family, sallallahu alayhi wa like his grandchildren, sallallahu alayhi wa then people have to deep like, oh my gosh, like my prophet is black or like tanned or like well he's definitely not white he's not white and if he's white he's gonna be like a light-skinned version of what was around him anyway which is what we'd consider black today he might not be the darkest yeah and this is a big thing so you know like Mm. especially haram police social media and people have this thing where they now when you start to talk about these things they paint you as if oh your nation of islam undercover and you're trying to make the prophet muhammad black no the seerah is clear right how he's described is clear right but people now need to realize that like what we describe today as white is not what they described as white Mm -hmm. because what we describe today as white they called red and yellow exactly Banu Asfar, mm-hmm. the Romans, they mm-hmm. were called Banu Asfar, the yellow mm-hmm. people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or Ahmar, they were right. red people. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Persians right. and Romans was right. called red and yellow. Right. Right. Arabs now are calling themselves Beda mm-hmm. and Aswad right. and Adam. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you see, when you go to Somalia, maybe, certain we areas, have a word they'll look at. Adan, yeah. Which is white in yeah. Somali. But my mum is, would you say, Nadad, which is a white lady. Yeah. But she's not but a white she's lady. But she's not a white lady. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even, even me, like the other day, I was, I was, so imagine my wife's mixed race from America. I'm Gambian. Momadou, my cousin, he's Gambian. Momadou was saying to me, you're not really dark skinned, you're brown, you're lighter than me. And my wife's looking at us like, you people are both black, what are you talking about? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right, right, right. But in Gambia, mm. because of how dark everyone is, mm-hmm. I'm considered light skinned. Right. Not light skin, like mm. right. there's light skin, but like light. Lebanese Cause it's, cause, yeah. and thing, but on the spectrum, right. yeah. Or like I'm in Nigeria, for example, my father's Ibo. Ibo are told, are said to be light skin. They're not, they're black people. When you right, look right, at them, right. they're black, but right. they're just a bit lighter than everyone else. So you have to look at the historical narratives in right. that context, which a lot of people are scared to do. And but anyway, we, we're not have time for them. Exactly. <laughs> we're not have time for them. It is, it, it is what it is. Right. It is what it is. And right, I'm right, not. Right. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not scared to say what it is. You right. know, like that. So. And more times, you know, um, check him out in your dreams. <laughs> you know, that will kill all disputes for you. More mm, times. Mm, so. Mm, 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 definitely, definitely. So yeah, so it's just about bringing stuff like that to light exposing that side of the history um we do know anti-blackness is a thing historically it always has been and it it still is 
and so fighting it but fighting it in a constructive and positive way because right, i'm not into the whole oh i'm black and when i went to the mosque they asked me to call the adan because they said they remind them of bilal and i tried to marry one arab girl and uh, the barber said no and they called me a slave and, and making youtube i'm not into that yeah i'm not into that like i'm not negating people's negative experiences but I'm feeling like we sh- instead of sitting down complaining about how right. people abuse us and right. then internalizing this victim narrative, right. we need to educate people and be like, no, okay, you people are ignorant. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. Right. Exactly. This is where we stand within Hit the religion. The this mm-hmm. is our history. Mm-hmm. And educate ourselves as well exactly. so that when someone calls you a slave, you mm-hmm. can look at them and say, me. Are you mad? <laughs> when? <laughs> when in this lineage of mine was I captured? I just want to know... Uh, or you know, I mean, or when you do approach racism, when you mm. do face racism, mm. you know that well, this same Quran that you're holding in your hand right. says that our ancestor was black. Adam black? was black. The father of humanity was black. Okay. So you need to read and Musa, the prophet that's mentioned the most in the Quran, is black, and Isa, who's the one that's gonna come at the end of the day and save us if you believe in the yeah, Nwati I just think it's jealousy, thing. you know. <laughs> it's jealousy. It's kind of like, what's that family that had the keys to the Kaaba and every man got man? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And yeah. Allah said, nah, the keys stay with them. It's just jealousy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Why come hate me? I'm just I'm just here living. Living, trying to like mind my right. own business. Here you come. Can't stand me and my history, sis. <laughs> anyway, let me not be petty. Yeah, so I just feel like just exposing that side and right. I and the thing that I enjoy the most about my work is that cause you know I've always I'm always used to being the youngest right but now I'm getting old so I'm looking he says that at the age of 26 okay so I must be a dinosaur guys because I'm 34 no but I'm used to being 16 18 right, you know right, I mean right. 21 right so now I'm going to universities and I'm seeing kids that are like 18 19 yeah. 20 oh, yeah. Or even other talks that I've given in Masajid and I'm seeing kids that are like 10, 11, 12, young black Muslim kids that are growing up hearing this history, which you know, is something that... You use, so. Yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> so, so to see them now create an identity for themselves and grow up in a world where they have access to all of this history and information that we didn't have... Um, that for me is I feel like the most fulfilling part and it's like the part of my work that I'm not gonna really see the fruits of until much much later because like I remember when I went to Canada I was um, blessed to chill with um, Sheikh Abdullah Hakim Quick OG OG and I grew up on his stuff like he's he's part of what inspired me to go and look for this information before I became Muslim and after because he was the first person to talk about you know Timbuktu right, and Mali right, and bring right. all that information to the mm. public and um just seeing him I just thought to myself right like you don't even know the impact you had on me which mm. I'm now having on future generations so I'm just like right like maybe the silsila continues the silsila mm. continues yeah that's what he said he was like I'm happy to see you continue in the work and he gave me loads of books and he was like yeah I'm passing the torch on to you like continue doing the, the information so alhamdulillah but like so for me to be in that position now and I'm young still. For the next 20, 30 years, inshallah, right, if Allah right. gives me long life and, and you know, amen. inshallah, supports me, um, I can grow to see kids that will come up and do amazing things and then tell me, oh, yeah, I came to Beyond Bilal when I was a kid and that's what inspired me. Do you know what I mean? That's something that I feel like, mashallah, you can't, no money can buy that. Well, it's not as far as you think it is because your right. work absolutely impacted me mm. more so than I think you'd ever even believe. So when I was at a point where I ha- 
I was feeling really conflicted about whether I wanted to um, become a Muslim because obviously when I grew up, the Muslims that were around me, they were, you know, of Asian descent. I didn't mm. really, I didn't really have that much exposure to African Muslims. So yeah, I would yeah. always associate, oh no, in order for you to be um, a Muslim, you'd have to be Arab or Asian or something like that. Mm. And, I'd, and I'd have to um, leave all of my culture behind. And that wasn't the case at all. So when I stumbled on your work and seeing like Burka Boys and then, and then your own things as well, I was like, oh my gosh, I absolutely can, can consolidate my blackness with my Islam and mm. it was such a powerful thing. I was like, you mean to tell me so? Black people was really in- involved since the beginning and that, and that this is just as much as my a part of my heritage as any other part of me yeah, and it was absolutely mind-blowing to me. So mm. just thank you for doing the work that you're doing because like us little reverts out here who don't know nothing, we need all the help we can get and seeing all of that, it's just so, so powerful. So you've impacted me personally within my own faith. And then also, you brought me and Hafsa together. Oh, so yeah. So it was your um, talk that I met Hafsa at. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, that's yeah. where we kicked, off, kicked it off after going for dinner. So, honestly, mm. thank you. See the Baraka. See the Baraka. Thank you. Come and see Baraka. Come and see Baraka. Honest to God, it's mm. there. So just keep doing what you're doing. And it's just, it's so, so, so important the work that you're doing. And mm. we need to see more of it. We need spaces like this. and we need work like yours to just keep doing it. It's so, so important for us. It's really empowering a lot of young black, young and old um, black Muslims, you know, like me included, because I was born a Muslim. Like Mm -hmm. um, I come from East Africa. I know my little bit of East African history, but to find that just the impact of the West African um, scholarship that it has on the rest of the world, it's just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. And um, we just, you know, we're just praying that you have long life and good health. I mean, inshallah, so that, you know, like like I said, I'm going to send you my picnic. (laughs) I I said, when I met Briggs, I said, well, that's the one I want to do my nikah. So (laughs) I said, come and see, come and see Uncle (laughs) Briggs. Yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm I'm taking all the kids. I'm taking all bookings. So what can we expect from you next, Briggs? I need to write a book. That's my Mm. next thing. So I've done the lectures. I've Mm. done the tours. And inshallah, I want to continue doing them. I love traveling. I love meeting new people. I love putting myself. But everywhere I go, people are like, is this information in a book? Have you written a book? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just like, yeah. Even just today, someone sent me a message and was Mm. like, oh, this brother, has he written a book? Mm. You know, I did an Ilm feed interview and right, it kind of right, went right. viral recently right. um, with the whole BLM thing. Mm. And um, people were like, yeah, has this brother got a book? So I'm just like, yeah. This month, inshallah, yes. I want to finish the book, send it off to get typecast. Mm. I've already got a designer working on the cover and everything mm. so that hopefully before October, Black mm. History Month, mm-hmm. I, can, I can have a book out there inshallah. that people can order, inshallah, and, and, and have all this information. Shalom. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. That's gonna be my picnic bedtime story. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you. First book of Black History Month for me, honey. It's Black History every day, darling. You don't need a month to celebrate Black History. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd love to do like a children's series as well. Oh, I'd love that. Because I feel like a lot of people need need, You really are Baba Briggs. We love to see it. Yeah, I'm going to try, inshallah. But seeing all of these things, so like even like this podcast now being like a a result of 
that mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. and then you're impacting because you know i can't be everywhere and yeah. do everything mm-hmm. and there's not every issue that i can touch mm-hmm. so like your experience as black muslim women is completely different from my experience as a black muslim man mm-hmm. and i don't have authority to talk about your experiences mm-hmm. and you know voice your opinions and say things so it's like to see you guys now doing your thing and to mm. see all the all the people that have started doing their thing after it's just like it's a it's creating a cultural renaissance that i feel was very very needed and a lot of people are mm, yeah a lot of people are struggling within their faith mm-hmm. or a lot of people are um trying to figure out you know how can i how can i be all parts of me authentically when this is the narrative on this side and this is the narrative on that side but when we see more and more examples of people like you and people like me Mm -hmm. and like the radical boys Mm -hmm. and all of this Mm -hmm. to give people like an image where they can say no i can be me and muslim i can be me and you know it's it's holistic it's not i have to be one or the other i feel like that's very very important yeah i feel like that's extremely important Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to to, to come on the podcast. (laughs) No, thank you for having me. You already had it. You had your little hand in it in 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 the process of it it even coming to be. So just thank you for the the amazing work that you're doing and just keep doing what you're doing, brother, because it's Mm. so so important Mm. and it has more impact than you would ever even imagine. Mm. So just alhamdulillah for that. So where can people follow you? Where can they find you on these interwebs? Okay, so I'm Mustafa Briggs on all social media so you can mm-hmm. if you type in Mustafa Briggs on Facebook if anybody still uses that mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm there if you type Mustafa Briggs on Instagram I'm most active on Instagram mm-hmm. so Mustafa Briggs M-E-S-T-A-F-A B-R-I-G-G-S um, and Twitter everywhere you can find me on all of them all of them inshallah so follow me on Instagram I would say and you're very consistent in letting the people them know what you're doing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. Just to look out for his story and exactly, stuff like this. Exactly. So yeah, everything I do, exactly. I post a story. I let people know I'm gone. And uh, yeah, man, so it go. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's the end of that then. Well, for today, thank you I guess. again. Thank you thank so you much. Again. Thank you. Thank for you for the having time me. Out. Okay. Um, we recorded this episode today in a coffee shop. If you're wondering where is this ambiance coming from, <laughs> like, background do, do you guys noise, like honey? this? Well, you, you're gonna have to like it because that's what we're doing. Like now. Okay, sweeties. Yeah. We can't get into studios and a cert girl. Okay. <laughs> yeah. COVID just luck everything, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. Okay, well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Turbid's Ain't Here Jab. We will check you again on the next one. Bye. Bye. Turbid's Ain't Here Jab. Turbid's Ain't Here Jab. Um, I'm right here, guys. Literally right here wearing a turban as a hijab. Turbans ain't hijab. Um, yes, they are. Turbans ain't hijab. Do you know what? I don't. I don't feel like this space is for me. I. I don't feel represented. So. Uh, okay. Bye. Turbans ain't hijab. They are.